Welcome to the Practical Prospecting Podcast with your hosts, Jed Marley and myself, Maggie Bloom from the Mailshake team. We'll be talking about how to practically set up your outbound outreach game. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, today we are switching things up. We are actually doing a video podcast. So for those of you listening on Spotify or Apple, you can also take a look at this on YouTube, but we're going to be doing a Q&A session. So we got, you know, we posted a little bit about practical prospecting out there on LinkedIn. We heard some feedback from people. Thank you so much. And then we also got some questions as well. So we're going to jump right into those. They all have to do with prospecting. So very similar to the topics we talked about before. But to get right into it with the little time that we have, we got a question from our dear friend Junior over at Pickle. And what he commented on here was, I think there is a lot of curiosity around cadence structure, myself included, so Junior included. So he asked, what touch points, how often, and for how long? If there's any data-backed insight, I'd be all about it. So Jed, I'll throw it over to you to answer this one first. Yeah, it's a pretty open-ended question. There's a lot of ways we could take this. But I, I'll start by saying this. You you first have to ask yourself, do I want to take a more aggressive approach or a more nurture approach? nurture mm-hmm. that's a word. Um, <laughs> and I think it depends on who you're selling to. So like we sell to sales, sometimes marketing folks. And I think if you sell to those personas, you might want to take the more aggressive approach. Whereas maybe you, if you sell to like HR leaders, you might want to take a, a less aggressive approach. And so... I'm like my favorite. There's lots of different frameworks. I think the most popular one in the SaaS space is the Agoji framework where it's like six emails across a month. Just look up Agoji. You'll see it. I think there's a lot of data to back that. But um, one that I really like a lot is I think it really originated from Justin Michael and a lot of the content he was created a couple of years ago. But it's like the, the cluster format. So okay. you have two to three email threads in your cadence structure is formatted around those two to three email threads. And each email thread and touch point, whether it's through LinkedIn or the phone, is focused on one problem. So like in general, I think every cadence should be focused on one persona per cadence so that you can really hyper-focus the messaging. And then you pick the top two or three pain points that that persona deals with that your solution solves. And then you create two to three email threads based on that mm-hmm. problem. And so when I say aggressive, I like doing literally day one email, day two email, and then maybe day four or five emails. So three emails in one week and then give them a break and then go after it again. The reason why I like aggressive is because I'm trying to get to a yes or no as soon as possible rather than letting it drag on forever and never even getting an answer. Yeah. And when you say give them a break, I know you just said that like you email them about three or four times in a week and then you give them a break. What's like the length of a break for you when you're doing this aggressiveness? Like, like, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like five days. (laughs) I say like five days to a week. So like if I started on a Monday, it'll be email on Monday, maybe email on Tuesday or Wednesday and then email on Friday and then give them a five-day break and maybe start the following Thursday. And and to be honest, in my experience, I've tested so many different things. This is not the most – like don't work – get yourself worked up over you know what day it has to be or the exact length. Just – Ask yourself the question, do I want to take a more aggressive approach? You're going to get a lot more no's, a lot more people saying not interested, probably more pissed off prospects. In my opinion, that's fine with me because I'm filtering out the people that aren't a fit and finding the ones that are. Or do I want to take more of a nurture approach? And then there is something that Lavender, we were just talking about this, uh, Maggie, <laughs> speaking of <laughs> Lavender, they put out a cool format that they do where it's like they just have one thread and it's like five emails and it'll be like that first personalized email. 
And then they have what's called like a thoughtful bump, which is where they like oh, provide yeah. a resource and then say any thoughts. And mm-hmm. then by their like fourth email, they're going for a referral. So like they'll just assume that that problem isn't relevant and they'll say, hey, is Maggie a better person to talk to about this? And then email five is the breakup email that we've all learned. You, you love it or you hate it. But, you know, there's tons of different frameworks. Yeah, yeah. What sometimes is like the beauty about cold outreach and for someone who's like sold mail shake for a while and people ask that question all the time, you know, like how long should your cadence be? How often? And I'm like, it depends like on a lot of different factors, which obviously like any sales question could really take that turn there too. But it really does depend. Do you want to be aggressive in your approach? How are people typically contacted in your industry? Like, are they even going to see LinkedIn messages? Do you reach out to manufacturers who like maybe don't? So all those things that kind of combine in there, like you said, I think it's just a matter of testing as well. But yeah, I've heard also those frames works where, you know, there's like around five to seven touch points or, I mean, sometimes even more to that, like five to 11, I feel like is sometimes the range. So I think it just depends also like what leads are these? Are you getting back in touch with them? Are they nurturing and things like that? Yeah. I know more when I was doing outbound cadences, I would do like nine to 11 touches. And then I've worked at companies where LinkedIn was like never even part of the picture when doing outreach. So like we tried, we tested it, but there was no way that our target market would be on there. So I think it all just can kind of come down to that too. Yeah. I mean, another part that I think we should talk about on this is like your market too. Like Mm -hmm. at Mailshake, we're still relatively early in the market where it's like, we have a huge total addressable market. A lot of people can use our product we sell more in like the S&B to mid market. So we can afford to be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more automated. It depends on like, if you're an individual contributor, what's your territory? Do you have a select number of accounts? In that case, you probably can't afford to be as aggressive or you have to be a little bit more nurtured, more personalized, have more touch points, more phone calls. Whereas yeah. if you have a huge market, huge territory, you should probably be more aggressive, figure out, do some testing. So that's another factor to, to ask yourself as well. Like the less accounts you have, the more personalized you have to be and then vice versa. Awesome. Yeah. I think the two most important things that you said there was, you know, how aggressive do you want to be? Like what type of target audience are you going after as well? Because yeah, you're right. Like if you're doing, you know, bigger accounts out there, you're not probably going to have as many touch points or like in the beginning that may happen later on when you're trying to re-engage people and things like that. So Sweet. Okay, Junior, thanks so much for putting in that message there. The next one we're going to go to is Rachel Fox. So what Rachel wrote in here is, if you see someone who's opened your cold outbound email 12 times and you call or email to pursue, do you slip into the conversation that you know that they've engaged with your content or visited your website? Or do you kind of keep that under wraps at all costs? I love this question, by the way. But Jed, I want to hear what you think. Yeah, I'm curious. It sounds like you have strong opinions as well. <laughs> Honestly, I think you should call it out. I don't know what's the worst that's going to happen. Like most people know that there's tools you can use to see opens, even if you're not selling to sales, marketing folks or whatnot. Like people get that now at this point. And um, I think it's like kind of a fun way to stand out. Like I think the template that my team uses is they'll respond to the email and be like, saw my email got a bunch of clicks or opens either that means something i said landed and you're forwarding it around in the company or i completely missed the mark and i embarrassed myself something like that it's like <laughs> you know what i mean it's like it's one of two options either i embarrass myself or you're forwarding it around i've even heard of the strategy because like some tools let you see where all the opens are happening so like you're able to see oh this was opened in 
this state or this city and then using sales navigator to figure out who are the key decision makers that are based in those areas and then giving them a call. That's kind of next level stuff, but I don't know. I don't think you should keep it under wraps. What about you, Maggie? Yeah. I think just to your point too, think about how tech savvy mostly anyone is nowadays that everyone knows that you can have a tool out there, or at least I feel like 90% of people know that there's tools out there that are going to show like how many times someone's clicked on something or opened it. So call it out and make like more of a joke of it. So like, Hey, saw you like open up my email 20 times. Like maybe I was just being like excited about the data, but like, I thought this something that might interest you. So I think use that to your advantage. And then, yeah, it's calling out something and you're not being a creeper. People know that information's out there. I think maybe earlier when those tools were newer, I would be a little bit more afraid to do it. But I think now it's just this Jed's point. It's like, yeah, most people know that you can grab that information pretty easily. So definitely call it out. Yeah, I agree. What's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. And if they do call you a creeper, I mean, you can find like any information about them, (laughs) like where they live, (laughs) where they went to school, all these different things. So there's more information you can find out in different ways. Awesome. Rachel, love that question. Um, I think it's something that people think about there. So I would definitely call that out. And then this last one is from Mafalda from Wonderway. What she asks in here is balancing quantity and quality. So in other words, efficiency. And I think this is something that people are having kind of like a hard time figuring out, or it's something that I hear people talk about a lot too. It's like, and you know, before we go into answering it, like a lot of the things that I've you know, heard people talk about is like, yeah, of course, if you personalize every single one of the emails that you send out, you're probably going to have amazing results, like have something catchy, have it all tie back into like something personal about the company or prospect that you're reaching out to. But how long do those emails typically take? Like just from my own experience, I've done that with big accounts that I'm going after, which is key to like how I want to answer this later on. It takes me about like 10 minutes at least, like from finding the information, from coming up with something really catchy for a completely personalized email. Like I'm one-to-one just sending this over to Jed to get his attention. That could take me about 10 minutes. So obviously like sales reps cannot do that all day. That would take them forever. And there's a lot of other accounts that they're going after, but yeah. So I just wanted to preface it with that. And I guess I'm kind of going into answering this too. I think for it goes back to some of the things we talked about when answering junior's question is that it depends what who your target market is like how big your territory is how many people you can go after but i think there's a good balance in the way that i've always handled it from working in areas with a bigger market that we can go after is you know just like setting aside key accounts setting aside and looking at your list of leads and saying like oh these 10 people would be like amazing to use mailshake I think they need us right now. These are like the key decision makers. I know that, or this was like a good intro from someone else. That's when I take that time. And that's where I feel like it's worth to take like maybe 10 minutes on each one and going from there. And that could vary too, but I'm rambling. I'm just saying that the way that I'd answer this is like, be really strategic about the list and spend time with it before you decide like the efficiency and how you want to go after it. Jed, I'll hand it over to you. <laughs> that, no, that was what I was going to say as well. I think so. Okay. If you have a, a large total addressable market, like you said, Maggie, which we do at Mailshake, I think it's 
you should do a mix of both. And so like the common strategy and just general rule of thumbs that I've heard and are generally agreed upon is you should tier it out into like three tiers. So you should have tier one for like your hottest prospects. So if you go look at your customers, what are the characteristics that lead to the highest close one deals? So the highest percentages, so are they using a specific, like for us, if they're using HubSpot as their CRM, we know that's a really good fit. Like those mm-hmm. are people, if they're using HubSpot and they're like a series A company or whatnot, those are the people we want to be super personalized around. And then number two is maybe the, the people like tier two is maybe people that, you know, you still want to personalize, but they're not the perfect fit or whatnot. And so that's like half and half, right? It's a little bit personalized, but more automation. And then tier three is like everybody else who is still potentially a fit, but you want to be completely automated um, because you don't want to spend a ton of time personalizing. And that's like the general, like have a tier one, two, and three. And at the very bottom is completely automated. That's the approach I would take. And then like in terms of metrics you want to shoot for, try to shoot for like a one to 5% conversion rate on those tier three. So when I say one to 5% conversion rate, that means you upload a hundred accounts into a sequence for that. You should be converting on one to 5% in terms of meetings booked. And then in general, like five to 15, 20% for the tier two. And then you want, if you're doing like serious personalization where you're like going in, doing a lot of research, you should be converting on like 25% plus. So like if you reach out to four accounts, you should be able to try and book one. Now those numbers will vary, right? But again, those are general rule of thumbs where obviously the conversion rate should be much higher if you're spending a lot of time personalizing. But I think the easiest way to answer this question for yourself and in Mafalda's case is just like a run a test. Like if you have two SDRs, tell one of them, hey, you're just going to be the, the quantity approach for these next couple of weeks mm-hmm. and you're going to do the quality approach or do it yourself, right? Like I'm going to take two weeks where I'm just going to, you know, send out a bunch of emails, make a ton of calls, not be personalized, see how many meetings I book, what's my conversion rate, and then compare that to being personalized. So it's like all about testing, but yeah, those are my general thoughts on it. And honestly, we're kind of doing that at Mailshake now where we scaled up our, like our email only automation tier three campaigns so much to the point where we're starting to see open rates dip a little bit to where, cause we're doing super high volume. So we've scaled that back a little bit and we've kind of found our limit. And now we're focusing a little bit more on the personalization. So there's so many factors that go into it, but I think what you and I both said, Mackie, mm-hmm. should give anybody who feels the same way as Mafalda enough to kind of go off of, cause this is like, the age old question when it comes to outbound. Yeah, definitely. I think tearing it out and just being strategic. It's like, it's like the same question that you should answer is like, you can't approach like different leads the same way. And we're all going to, I mean, obviously we go after the same target market, but we all might have some nuances like, Hey, we could work with really small teams or really big teams. And I think you kind of just have to put those like decision-making powers to work there and like figuring out what's going to be the best there. And like you said, tearing that out, but you made a really good point about like the tier three that you're doing right now at Mailshake. And yeah, it's like, just be careful with when you are doing that low hanging fruit outreach to people of just like making sure that deliverability is in the back of your head too, of like, yeah, like you don't want to send too much of it, even though you may have a huge list of people that you can go after and it's very easy to automate those things. You still want to think like deliverability best practices in mind, which we've done a ton of episodes on. So you can listen back to that, but sweet. Thank you so much, Junior, Rachel, Mafalda for pushing in those questions. And for anyone listening to this, we're going to be doing this probably every about 10 episodes. So if you have questions about the podcast, there's a ton of ways that you can get that to us. You can either email me at maggie at mailshake.com, DM either one of us on LinkedIn. I think there's a way to comment on there. So if you want to write a comment of a question, totally do that. And then on YouTube, of course, too, you can ask questions in the comments and we'll be able to answer them. But any last thoughts before we finish up here, Jed? No, these are three really good and common outbound questions 
I feel like we covered a lot of ground. So appreciate y'all for asking these questions and keep them coming. We'll keep doing this. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening. And we will catch you next time. Bye. This was another episode of the Practical Prospecting Podcast. If you enjoyed yourself today, give us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify Podcasts. Thanks so much. Talk to you next time.